Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams. And I'm Joe Anderson. Joe, today is the day. Today's the day we talk to an incredibly inspirational person for me. So not only inspirational because he's in our space of maintenance and reliability, but inspirational because of all the things this company stands for and the way in which they present themselves as an organization. I am talking none other than the one and only Ryan Chan. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, George. Hey, Joe. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And thank you for all the kind words uh, in, in the introduction today. My goal is to hopefully, you know, inspire change and ultimately like uh, help help change this industry into something, you know, even better than, than what it is today. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. So so for those that may not know, Ryan is CEO and founder of uh, at Upkeep Maintenance Management. He's got a chemical engineering degree from UC Berkeley and was named one of Forbes 30 Under 30 for manufacturing in 2018. Currently part of the Forbes Technology Council. Uh, And Upkeep, well, you know, for the easiest way to mention this is Upkeep is a mobile-first computerized maintenance management system. Is that right? (laughs) uh, Yeah, that that sounds about right. (laughs) So talk to us a little bit about upkeep uh, in some general terms and what separates you from the rest of the pack. Sure. The way that I always bring this up is really about a little bit about my history, my background, because I think that helps explain how upkeep came about and how we've really defined ourselves. So, you know, George, you already mentioned I went to Cal Berkeley, chemical engineer. I worked in a manufacturing plant as a process engineer. My entire days was thinking about how do we streamline our manufacturing line? How do we make it go run? How do we make it run faster, more reliably, and um, yeah, more predictably? Uh, we actually turned to technology to uh, help us better understand what was going on within our manufacturing line. Just to give you some um, some uh, ideas of what we did and what my role was, we manufactured reverse osmosis membranes for brackish water desalination, a little bit of wastewater. And my entire day was taking this thin film composite line and trying to again, like speed up the process. We turned to technology to help us better understand why our equipment was failing. Um, And I I was actually part of the team that was responsible for rolling out, choosing, and implementing this computerized maintenance management software for our team. Um, Looked high, looked low, tried to find the best one. Um, The best thing that we could find was something that was 100% desktop based and required all of the technicians to go out into the field, do their work, come back to the office, and then retype all their notes back in. And so I said, man, this is, you know, there's got to be a better way. Couldn't find anything. So I ended up teaching myself how to code. This was now about like seven years ago. Um, and said, hey, I want to build better software for mobile technicians out in the field. I want to enable them to do their work from out in the field, be able to scan a barcode, pull out the entire asset history. I want them to be able to you know, start and stop timers once they start their work and be able to look into their parts and in inventory to see what parts are available. I want them to be able to look at their calendar of what they need to do, where they need to go, and you know, who they need to uh, you know, call versus have to you know, come back to the office and write down a few sticky notes and put it on someone's desk. Um, so that's really where the idea of upkeep came from. And ultimately where our mission is today is build better software for field technicians um, in the maintenance reliability space. That's awesome. So, it, you know, you're a fairly young company and there's some major players in this space. When I look at reviews, places like, um, you know, whether it's the 
um, the magic quadrant or whether or not it's Captera or, you know, all, all of those areas, you guys are knocking it out of the park. How are you competing? I mean, at the end of the day, all, all comes back to our customers. I think you're right. We've had this like amazing opportunity to work with customers, people in the industry and give them something very unique and differentiated in the market that they've never seen before. And that's really what I mean by that is really a technology, a software built for them. And the, I would say the reason why we've, we've grown to the point we have in, in such an accelerated fashion is because we've just always put our customers first. We've always said, this is not about like, you know, us selling to the top and trying to wine and dine them and hope that they buy our software and force it down on everyone else. We've always said, who are we building software for? What do they care about? And how can we make the days, lives, and jobs easier for them through technology? And I think what that manifests into is a product that is beautiful, easy to use, built for the field technician that enables them to go home early um, versus have them come back to the office at the tail end of their day and retype all their notes back in. And I think because of that, We've, you know, I think, again, just have been so fortunate to um, partner with all of our customers in a very unique way where, um, you know, they've, they've been so appreciative of it that, again, I'm very thankful that they uh, then turn to uh, platforms like Captera to write nice reviews about our platform. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And, you know, you mentioned your company values, and, and I think that's something that if folks are listening to this, they should certainly go to onupkeep.com and go to the about us section. Because for me and Joe, this is, this is right at home. This is, this feels right and makes a lot of sense. And, and just at a high level, can you go over your, your company values? Sure. So we touched on one of them. And the first one is that we choose customers over revenue. The second one is that we choose progress over perfection. And the third one is that we choose grit over prestige. And the reason why we structured our company values this way is because it's supposed to be a tool, a guiding light for us to help us decide and choose based off of two really good options. Like we kind of went away from the, this idea of, you know, hey, our company values are trust, transparency, because to us, that's a given. You know, you have to have these values. Um for us, our three core values, you know, choosing customers over revenue, progress over perfection, and grit over prestige, is all about making a difficult decision amongst two really good options. Um, and I'm happy to dive in a lot more into each one of these as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they they say a lot to the fact that you want you, I don't know, for lack of better way to term this you're trying to actively avoid becoming a big software company in terms of how you operate, right? Like, like these other organizations that have been around for decades, while you didn't necessarily create a disruptive technology, right? You didn't invent the mobile platform. You didn't invent, but what you are doing is actually disrupting that space because your ship is going in a different direction as are everything else in the industry to turn their ship without these types of values is going to take decades. Absolutely. And to, to your point, you, you're absolutely right. Because and one way to showcase this is, you know, we often talk internally that there's this funny paradox going on right now, 
where the least tech savvy users of the world are given the most difficult pieces of technology to use versus, you know, I might be in this group as well, George and Joe. Uh, I'm in this millennial group of people who are probably the most tech savvy users of the world, given the most easy, beautiful, easy to use software um, right now. And it's just this funny paradox. And we want to do something just wildly different. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean like go, obviously we need to change something compared to what's been happening in the past. And our philosophy is that we put our customers first and that's number one amongst everything. Um, the second one is that this idea that we're not perfect, no one's perfect, and we always see opportunities to progress and improve. And so if it means, you know, hey, we've got to choose between, you know, doing what we call a waterfall approach of nine months of planning to release the perfect product, or does it mean releasing a small feature every single month over the next nine months? We'll always choose progress. And the third one is just this idea of grit. Like if we want to change the industry, if we want to change the past into a new future, it's going to take a hell of a lot of work and it's going to take a ton of grit. Um, and it's never about, you know, just this, this, um, uh, it, it's never about what you've accomplished in the past. It's always about what we hope we will accomplish in the future. And that's our third value of, of choosing you know, grit over prestige. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And, and because of that, you guys have a very aggressive release schedule. It's not, you know, a decimal point every eight to 12 months. It's, it, it's fairly yep. frequent. Yeah. We're doing releases multiple times a week. I would say three to four times a week, we're releasing something. And that's, again, just goes back to our philosophy of progress over perfection. It goes back to our philosophy of constant feedback from our customers, because we'll, we'll ship a small little feature. We'll ship a small little um, release one week. And what we immediately do after that is we go call up our you know, three, five biggest customers and say, hey, what do you think? You know, this is good or bad. And, you know, our whole intention is let's just get better from that. Let's get feedback from our customers. Let's improve off of that. And let's keep doing that over a course of, you know, nine months. And I think I, it's very different than the traditional release schedule, which is let's do one big release every, every six months or every 12 months. And when you do that, it slows down your iteration cycles. And ultimately, what we believe at least is, slows that slows down this innovation actually right and it it doesn't fit into your uh, progress over perfection model right so it, it certainly creates issues there i i know for myself i created my free account um i i don't know i guess in 2020 or 2019 and i i mean you've added since that just just that part meters, teams, vendors, like there's so many areas that are either better than they were or even completely new functional areas of the solution that uh, that allow for, for an organization to better manage this work. So, so you know, you guys are doing a great job in that space. Um, but that's not everything. So, so can you give us a little hint as to what the roadmap looks like? Uh, yeah, so the way that we break it down internally, at least, is there's three components of what upkeep and what we're working on right now. One is this idea of data capture. The second one is this idea around data transformation. And the third one is around like actions and workforce management. 
And the way that we kind of build our technology stack is this idea around we want to take data, turn data into insights, and turn insights into actions. When we think about the traditional CMMS or the traditional computerized maintenance management software, and the reason why I chuckled at the beginning of this podcast is because you know I, I don't love that term, and I think that there can be opportunities to improve that, and we've got one, one view of that world. But anyways, when we think about the traditional CMMS, we generally think of workflow and workforce um, execution. Um, what we have on our roadmap is really focused on the first two layers that I talked about. One is data capture, the second one is data transformation. So what does that mean? Um, in our space, what we, what we wanna do is become the world's largest repository of both um, you know, data from the physical world. And that's gonna come from two core aspects. One is gonna be what we call passive data collection. The second one is called active data collection. Passive data collection is all about what the machines are telling us through sensors, data systems, PLCs. Um, and then the second one is our active data collection, which is all about what the technicians are doing when we turn something down, when we turn something off, when we um, you know, schedule something for, for maintenance. That's all active data collection. What we want to do is house both of these data sets um, and transform them into insights which is ultimately the second component of, let's call it our big product and feature roadmap, um, turn those into insights using AI, machine learning, predictive analytics, because we believe that the best insights come from combining what the machines are telling us alongside with what you know, people and technicians and um, facility managers are actually doing on the shop floor. That's gonna give us the best insights to actually drive what we call, you know, workflows and workforce execution, which is ultimately the the last piece of the puzzle, which is the CMS component. So lots of exciting things on our roadmap. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, for years, the system has been manage the assets work, the workflow for the asset. And oh, by the way, we also collect information and can now have a reporting module, right? Like those things all came later. Early in my career, everything was done. You know, I was using Toad and writing SQL statements to pull data out so I could do some analytics. And now the dashboard, you know, they're all excited because somebody took somebody else's query and made it a dashboard. <laughs> and, and what you're saying is, well, let's figure out all the data pieces first and exactly. use that to help have the system help make decisions and take actions. And that makes a lot of sense to me in, in, in how we consult with other organizations. You know, we always tell them you have to start with the end in mind. What is the decisions you're trying to make and then go from there in order to go through selection and, and your design process. So it, it makes a lot of sense. And you also mentioned, you know, you're trying to look at IOT and pulling data from SCADA systems. Talk to us a little bit about what Edge is. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite products. So we released our first, or, or sorry, our second product at the what, end of last year. Um, Edge is a you know end-to-end -end IoT solution. Um, we sell sensors uh, that connect to a Gateway. The Gateway connects to our cloud platform that ingests all this data, all of this data, and basically reads and understands it and pushes actions back into upkeep maintenance management. We sell sensors from humidity, vibration, temperature, current power sensors 
that feed into a you know, 5G gateway, or you can also connect it to a Wi-Fi system, um, that feeds data into our analytics reporting dashboard, which ultimately can ingest all of this data, um, combine it with your active data collection, which is ultimately you know, technicians fielding work orders, procurement parts and purchase orders, um, to generate insights that ultimately will drive actions, which is ultimately the last piece of the puzzle which we were talking about, which is your CMS. Um, Edge has been a long time coming for us. It's always been within our uh, vision of where we expect the, the future of this industry going. Um, and we're just on this like rocket ship right now of new integrations with you know other hardware companies. We're doing different types of sensors and enabling our customers to transform their data and ultimately drive action through our Edge platform. It's really, really, really cool that um, you know, if you haven't already, to all, the, all of your listeners here, definitely recommend checking it out. All right, so now the tougher questions. So that was all easy. We threw a bunch of softballs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so from Joe and I, from our company's experience, when we visit plants, a lot of times, at least in the manufacturing space, the challenges they have are not necessarily what you would consider as definition of breakdown. It would be things that are more operator-based, more minor stop-based. The SCADA system's collecting this information. How do you foresee or do you foresee a future of upkeep and and an and a interface with the operator? Good question. So, well, I think that there's a lot of components there. But I, I think the question around like, okay, do do where where does the data come from does it come from like the SCADA system does it come from other you know uh, other sensors at the end of the day what we've always said internally is we don't want to be a hardware company our vision of creating like sensors and giving them to our customers is really kind of our foot in the door to enable companies to get a low cost easy to implement solution to start feeding iot data into our platform but at the end of the day you bring up a great point george all the data is actually already in a SCADA system. And actually our, our fundamental belief is like, don't replace the SCADA system. Don't try to um, build what a SCADA has already. Um, let's leverage edge and pipe data, which is really the transformation component into upkeep, which enables us to then combine what you know, technicians and also operators do at the physical level, join that with, you know, what we call it the, the digital world, which is like your equipment sending um, information about different sensors to drive actions. So I, I think that addresses half of the question, right? Around where does data come from? I think the second half of your question is like, how do you how how does Upkeep think about um, involving the operator? Is that right? Yeah, you know, because a lot of you're still trying to get value from the asset, right? And is there a path forward on the operation side for upkeep or is the focus on the maintenance side and, and at least for the foreseeable future, that's where it'll be? I mean, so, all right, so you're beating me to the punchline here, George. This is great. Um, so we started this conversation, me chuckling a little bit about like CMMS. And the reason why is because we kind of want to redefine the space into what we are calling asset operations. The whole idea of asset operations 
is this idea of bridging the gap between maintenance and operations. Um, and, and to your point, we don't think that this world in our industry can continue operating in these different silos of operations does one thing and cares about production and maintenance cares about another thing, breakdowns and reducing downtime. Um, we believe that these two like departments need to be joined at the hip and there needs to be one central repository that shares um, data from operations and also maintenance and reliability. So our vision of the future, George, you hit it on the head. Our vision of the future is we need to join these two teams, make them, make them speak the same language, because ultimately what they care about should be the same things. Yeah, no doubt. At, at 100%. That's, that's really nice to hear. and It's refreshing. I think at a really high level, the, the gigantic major places or players like SAP, that's what the intent is. They're just not nimble, right? And they're just unwieldy and... And companies are kind of forced to use their their SAP PM portion of it just because they own SAP. And I used to liken it to I, I, the way I used to explain this to my leadership teams when they would say, well, just use SAP PM. <laughs> I, I would say, well, I, you know, I can put a table in a Word document, but it doesn't make it Excel. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> and, and, you, you know, it's an important enough operation within the business to warrant a system that's that's purposefully built for it and organizations that use a byproduct of something else uh tend to not see the same effect yeah i mean okay so so to to that point the vision here isn't necessarily let's call it like replace sap by any means but what it does mean to us is if you have a best-in-class vertical solution for maintenance and reliability and then you have a best-in-class you know, platform for operations, which may be your SAP. Um, we want to enable these two platforms and products to be able to speak to one another. And that's really important. When we talk about like best in class vertical solutions, like I think that's where upkeep plays a role. Um, we, you know, to, to, to your point, you know, we, we believe ourselves as, you know, best in class vertical software for maintenance and reliability. Um, and, and we also believe that best-in-class vertical software does look like SAP for operations teams. And it's kind of our job on the technology front to enable these two systems to speak to one another. Um, And I think that's going to be the big future for our industry um, because they can't continue working in, in silos. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And that includes all the, the SCADA information and includes the data collection from sensors or manual collection from use of predictive technologies. I fully agree. That's right. Yeah. All right. So let's shift gears while we start to wind down here. Talk to me about the maintenance community. What is that? And, and what's the driver behind that for, for upkeep? Yeah. So our maintenance community is built on Slack. It actually started at the beginning of ooh, last year um, where we basically said, you know, Hey, we want to, um, dedicate a portion of our um, of our company towards the industry and just doing good for the industry without like a direct ROI in, in mind. We basically said, hey, if we invest in the maintenance and reliability community in the maintenance reliability industry, that's going to overall have a great impact on the industry as a whole and ultimately us as a business. 
Um, we started out again, beginning of last year, the pandemic hit and that just kind of threw this, um, you know, lighter fluid on, uh, on, on a small little uh, flame. And what happened was we built this small community online, COVID hit, which turned a lot of people um, who generally worked in the physical world online, which just made our, our um, member community skyrocket because our entire platform, our entire community is, is built online. And um, it's, it's kind of been this like, you know, amazing, awesome place for people in the maintenance and reliability industry to connect online, to learn from one another, to learn and find best practices, and ultimately like share knowledge with, um, with each other. We have over 5,000 members. It's going strong and it's been really, really, really cool. Um, George, you and I were just talking about this right before the show, but our intention is, is it's kind of run like a nonprofit. And the whole idea is do good for the industry. And that's awesome. I mean, folks can go there, they can join, you know, free webinars, they can ask questions and, and submit them for answer. There's, there's activities that take place on a regular basis. It's, it's really not only well-structured, but well-organized, well-run. Um, the team that does it is fantastic. You guys do a great job. And so where, so where do folks go to join that community? Uh, check it out at upkeep.org. Um, you can join the community. It, George, I want to say thank you as well to both you and, and the entire team, Joe included, for helping sponsor some of the community events that we do. Um, it's, been, it's been awesome um, getting to be closer to the community, all the different people in our industry. It's a great place to learn from one another. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Um, so it, will upkeep be it? Uh, we've got conferences kind of coming up, uh, you know, the fall conference schedule starting. Where can folks uh, see the upkeep team in person coming up? All right. You want to find me in person? I'm going to be in Anaheim in what? Uh, two weeks on August 10th at the Informa Trade Show. I'll also be at SMRP. Um, when is that? October? You going to be there? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So those are the two events that we have right now. We're, we're kind of figuring out our calendar and our schedule of events. But those are the two right now. Awesome. Well, I, I hope I can't wait to see you uh, at SMRP in October and the entire upkeep team is going to be a lot. Well, not the entire team, but the folks that go down there. Um, it's going to be great to see you. So um, any other plugs, Ryan, before we wrap up? Um, no, I mean, join the community. Uh, if, if you're at SMRP, I always come in my bright red suit. So uh, you know exactly who I am. <laughs> so come up and say hi if you're there. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being our guest on Practical Reliability. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. Awesome. For Joe, I'm George. Have a great day.